Hello, this is um, uh, September 25th, 2022, and this is another look-see uh, at the news and uh, involves uh, the Iran protests and the hijab. It starts out, or it started with, I saw this headline, and it went, how far will Iran's protests go? Fury at morality, police sparks women's rights movement. And something about that just grabbed me. So I thought I would share. Uh, every so often, something happens that makes me think there is great hope for the planet. Last week, a 22-year-old Iranian woman named Masa Amini was arrested and taken into custody by the morality police in northern Iran. She was accused of not wearing her hijab correctly. Three days later, still in custody, she was taken to the hospital where she died. This sparked an explosion of anger from women and men all across Iran. The women began to protest and publicly burned their hijabs. That's the headscarf they wear, that they're forced to wear to cover their hair. In one of the protests, a man went up to one of the women and reportedly slapped her. Although in the video of this incident, it looks like he sprayed something in her face. He then turned around and went back to his motorbike to leave the scene, but he was confronted by men who angrily knocked him off his bike. He got up and tried to run away, but someone tripped him. And when the angry men caught up to him, he tried to spray them, but was overpowered and roughed up. The protests have now spread across the entire country. The rulers of Iran have cut off the internet or cut it off in some places, um, although the government uh, still has the internet in some of their buildings and a number of institutions. But in the meantime, 35 people have died and the government is threatening further crackdowns. So how did Iran get into this situation where the people are so extremely angry and a women's rights movement has begun? Let's go way back to the matriarchal societies of the past where women were in power. If you do a search for, quote, when did matriarchal societies exist in history, end quote, the Bing search engine will tell you that there is a school of thought that believes human society was originally matriarchal from about 1.5 million years ago. This is classic distortion of information. They're saying, yeah, matriarchy existed, but it's only a school of thought that believes this. And... They pushed it so far into the past to make it seem irrelevant today. However, if you read the work of Heshed, of Rian Eisler, Acharya, John Mansley Robinson, Merlin Stone, Maria Gimbutas, Eric Neumann, James Mallard, and many, many others, 
it's clear that our real history has been hidden and altered. During the matriarchal period, women were the head of the family. They held positions of leadership, owned the land, were priestesses, conducted business and banking, and made the important decisions in life. Men stayed home, took care of the children, cooked, cleaned, did the gardening and weaving, and were subject to their wives. The matriarchy existed right up to and likely through the Christian era, during which the patriarchy gradually took over. It's a big struggle in that period when the Christians were trying to get established. They were fighting the matriarchy. The rise of the patriarchy was followed by an era of witch trials in the Middle Ages, and they persecuted women by jailing, torturing, drowning, or burning them at the stake. There were sporadic periods of hysteria about witchcraft right up through the early days of the American colonies. Remember Salem, the Salem witch trials? All of this was an ongoing attempt to get power, land ownership, and control away from the women and make sure they could not return to power, ever. As the matriarchy faltered, it became more and more difficult for women to move into positions of power. The Christian religion was patriarchal, and many early reports reveal that it was really a rather bloody and brutal movement characterized by murder and mayhem. There are stories that say that the Islamic religion, which started around the 7th century CE, current era, we used to say AD, um, but that, that Islamic religion was an attempt to counter the brutality of the early Christians, and the Islamic religion was started by Muhammad's wife, but since she couldn't be at the head of the movement, she put her husband in charge, sort of like we do nowadays by having a company that is registered as 51% woman-owned, but it has a lot of males in the upper echelons of the power structure. Anyway, both the early Christian and Islamic religions were fiercely patriarchal, and although both religions have moderated quite a bit, over the years, there was a very strict version of Islam that did not. By the 1960s, Iran was a modern country with beautiful mosques, cars and buses running next to camels and sheep, people who wore modern clothing, but they did maintain the cultural dress for many occasions. They had good schools and bustling tourism. All of this was headed by the Shah of Iran named Riza Pahlavi, and he was said to be a Western puppet. An Islamic cleric and scholar named Ruhollah Khomeini did not like the Western-style government and began to speak out publicly against it. Khomeini was an ayatollah in the Islamic religion, 
which is sort of like a pope or a cardinal in the Christian religion. And Ayatollah has a lot of influence. The Shah of Iran did not appreciate what Khomeini was saying, and he exiled Khomeini, who went to live in France. However, in 1979, there was a coup in Iran. The Shah was ousted, and Ayatollah Khomeini returned from France to take over and run the new Islamic Republic of Iran. Khomeini and his clerics immediately imposed all sorts of religious rules, restricting women and men, creating a closed society, and forcing women to wear a scarf called a hijab to cover their hair, and sometimes a long black burqa to completely cover their female shape. As you can imagine, the next decade in Iran was bloody. And I remember this. People protested violently. I even wrote a poem about it. Worse, Iran's neighbor, Iraq, invaded. They thought it was a good time to take over because Iran was having so much internal chaos. So now there was both war and chaos which lasted until 1988, when thousands, thousands of political prisoners were executed. Boom, just done. By that time, 1988, everyone in Iran was exhausted. Except for protests around the presidential election in 2009, a bit of uproar over the nuclear deal and the sanctions that have hobbled the country since 1979, things were mostly quiet until 2019 when protests flared again. Those protests were about economic conditions. But in 2020, the protests died out. Or maybe they were squashed. I'm not sure. You just stopped hearing about it. So fast forward to today and the protests now spreading over much of Iran. To repeat, Masa Amini, 22 years old, lived in the Kurdistan area of Iran and went to visit relatives in Iran, Tehran. She was just outside a subway station in Tehran when the morality police arrested her for not wearing her hijab correctly. They said she was showing too much hair. They took her away in a van, and three days later, she was dead. Others already in the van at the time she was picked up said that she was beaten inside the van before they ever even got to the detention center. Of course, the morality police said, oh, she had epilepsy, and she had a heart attack, which shows that Western countries are not the only countries using physical health as an excuse to cover up their crimes. Masa's father said she had no such conditions, and her health was perfect. There have not been many other details about Masa Amini's death 
However, she has become a flashpoint for the anger and frustration that has slowly increased over the years since Iran was upended in 1979. The government of Iran is a theocracy. It's now run by a pretty rigid hardliner named Ibrahim Raisi. Raisi may be considered a problem himself because he's so rigid, and he has increased the number and presence of the morality police. But the bigger problem is that the hijab was turned into an ideological symbol of the Iranian regime. Women were told they had to wear it out of respect for the blood of martyrs and the government itself. Now the government is between a rock and a hard place. The women are saying no. The men are supporting the women. If the government backs down on the hijab and says they don't really have to wear it if they don't want to, there goes their ideological symbol of respect for the regime. Oops. They would be sort of shooting themselves in the foot and dumping the symbol of their entire religion-based government. If they refuse to back down on the hijab and insist that women wear it, and then they try to arrest, torture, and execute the women, they run the risk of the men rising up and taking down the entire government. The whole thing has the makings of a mercury retrograde situation that, if poorly decided, could turn into a disaster. The protests are growing and spreading. It's just this sort of innocuous little symbol that often has the power to undo centuries of power. Sort of like the people who got upset with England and dumped English tea into the harbor, an incident that became known as the Boston Tea Party and led to total revolution against England. The result was the creation of the United States. When you step back and take a good look, what do you see? Well, for starters, there's the idea of a bunch of priests and clerics running a government. Of religion being the government. Isn't this something left over from the Middle Ages? Isn't this the same reason why thousands left Europe and came to the Americas? Fights over which religion people had to believe in started ending with the slaughter of the Cathars, the Protestant Reformation, and the reign of Henry VIII. Why is Iran hanging on to such an archaic practice? The separation of church and state has been around for at least 300 years. You know, they could copy that idea. It works. Then there is the ridiculousness of morality police. Who came up with that idea? Tied to the idea of female headscarves and even male haircuts? Telling people what they can wear is not a sign of religious fervor. It's a sign of a control freak. 
Masa Alamardani, a senior researcher at the Oxford Internet Institute in London, reports that there's a different demographic involved in these protests. The 1979 people are no longer involved. They're probably all dead. Some of this thinking about demographics is echoed by Professor Azadi Kian, a sociologist from Perisite University. She observes that those protesting today are younger, they know how to use social media, and they are linking issues in a way that hasn't been seen before. They're putting two and two together. She notes, if women do not have human rights, then you cannot talk about democracy. So the thing to remember when you listen to the reports about Iran is that the evolution of people, their ideas, their systems of government and money, medicine and education does not stop. Evolution doesn't stop for anybody or anything. Regimes that stall out or deliberately obstruct change will eventually come to revolution and chaos. People will go along for quite a while and then boom, they're not having it. This brings me back to what I said at the beginnings of this report. When I see things like this, I am encouraged that the people of planet Earth are waking up, standing up, struggling, yes, but slowly moving ahead toward a better world. That's not easy. It takes a long time. The struggle to move beyond strong men, control freaks, severe personality distortions, and psychopaths is awful, no matter what planet you're on. However, it eventually forces a population to pay attention to the raising of children. How we raise children today determines how our future world will operate, how much peace there will be, and the level of consciousness we will have. Every time there is chaos on a planet, there is an opportunity for the people to push through toward a better world. But even if those pushing reach some new system, let's say we've reached some new system for ourselves, we won't be able to maintain for more than one generation unless we do something different with the children. The times that I have been into the future were really inspiring and left me full of hope. The children of the future are much wiser and more capable and more skilled than many adults are today. I have long heard people say, oh, just let children be children. And, you know, there's something very nice, but also really naive about this approach. Keeping people as children well into their teens and 20s is a recipe for delayed development. 
Children can still be children and be wise and be skilled. Let's hope we can navigate a path toward advanced human development without losing the simple joys of childhood or getting lost in arrested development. The vision we have to hold on to is one of beautiful people who are supremely aware, who know how to work in cooperation with others, who have superior technology, are good-hearted, extremely intelligent, healthy, and very mature. We want to become people who celebrate life and work with others in the universe to maintain life in a myriad of forms. Hold that vision. We're, we'll get there. We're getting there. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.